Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. I am so delighted to welcome to the very first episode of Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis, Vince Rocco. Welcome, welcome. Good morning to you, and thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Listen, I have to tell you, just before we start, you know, when you asked me to do this, and I, and I realized what the name of your new podcast was going to be, Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis, honestly, and you know, I adore you, that made me smile. And it made me smile for a whole host of reasons. And if it wasn't, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning right now, I would be toasting a martini to you. <laughs> I know. I started thinking about that. Someone suggested that the best way for me to ease my way into this would be to have a sip of a martini ahead of time. But I, I don't trust myself enough to know what I would say. But let me let me introduce you to our listeners. I hope there's at least one out there right now since you, this is our very first podcast. Vince is a senior real estate advisor and licensed real estate broker for Halstead in New York City. He is the host of the very popular and very highly rated Good Morning New York Real Estate Show, which I have been honored to be a guest on twice. And he teaches real estate for the New York Real Estate Institute. So it should come as no surprise that the industry we're focusing on today is real estate and the disruption it's, going, it's undergone since the pandemic began, especially in cities like New York. So Vince, I, I already told you the idea behind Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis is to have unfiltered real-life conversations with interesting people like yourself about the changes we're all facing in our businesses and in life during these like crazy, extraordinarily challenging times. The goal is to inform, inspire, and hopefully entertain, laugh a little bit in the process. Are you ready to get to it? I'm so ready. So I, I want to start with something that has nothing to do with real estate, but could you just tell us where you're from? I'm a New Yorker born and raised. I, I grew up in northern Westchester County, which are suburbs of New York City. And I went to high school and college in those areas. And then out of college, I started working in New York City way back in the 80s. I'm not trying to date myself, but the 80s were a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I've been living in New York City as a resident of New York City, Manhattan for about 26 years. So I'm a New Yorker all over the map. All over the map. What I call the dyed in the wool New Yorkers. Um, so, and you've been in the real estate bu bu business now for 18 years. Is that right? In April, it made 18 years, uh, 18 very long years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wasn't your first career. Can you tell us a little bit about that? No. You know, like I, I think like every young upstart who has a little bit of a brain, you know, when you go into high school and you want to go to college, you kind of think, well, what do I want to major in? What do I want to study? What do I want to do when I grow up? Okay. So I will admit my first two years of college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I liked a lot of things. Inside me, somewhere roaming around my, my brain was, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actor, I want to be a newscaster, I want to be on TV, I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, of course, I had no experience with any of that. So, you know, that kind of stayed in the back of my mind. So what I decided to do was become a school teacher. And the reason I decided to study education and become a school teacher, A, I did love teaching. But I thought, well, at least initially, until I satisfy that craving of being an actor, I could substitute teach part-time and go out on auditions and gigs, you know, part-time. And if one of them clicked, then it would be, okay, so much for the education, so much for the teaching. And I become this 
movie star or this television star, etc. Well, that didn't happen. So I became a school teacher and I taught school, middle school, sixth grade English and reading for a couple of years up in my hometown of Carmel, New York, until I realized, all right, so I'm 22, 23 years old, whatever at the time. And a lot of my friends who had gone through the business schools were making so much more money than I. And I said, well, I think I love teaching, but I can always do that. Here we go again. I can always kind of do that somewhere along the line. But maybe I need to go into business. And a good friend uh, reminded me, well, you don't have any business school experience. And I said, well, you watch me. So I got hired at IBM, you know, the big old, big old, big blue IBM in, in the 80s. Here we go with the 80s again. And I worked for IBM for 13 years, ending my career there as a pretty successful sales representative, selling the entire product line, consulting, mainframes, PCs when they first came out. Again, not looking to age myself, but I got into business because I said, I want to do that. And we'll talk a lot about that later in real estate. But I wanted to do that. I did it. No formal training in business, but I just made it work. I left there in 1993, I think, after 13 years. And I just went on to other tech companies for a while until one day I sat back and I said, I had been buying and selling real estate also for seven or eight years as a- I remember that you were you were famously known as moving every every three years, I think, of something crazy within the city. Yeah. So I kind of got hooked into the process of real estate through the, the, the co-ops and the condos and the board packages and the, you know, all the nonsense that goes on with purchasing in New York City. You know, by the way, those of you who are listening out there with a fascination in real estate, buying or selling in New York and even renting in New York is very difficult. And we may talk about it later, if not at some other time. So I, I got very interested in the process and I decided one day I've had it with, here we go again, I've had it with corporate America. I don't want to deal with this anymore. The politics that ensue, that exist. I mean, it's just like, you know, I just want to come to work every day and do my job. I don't want to have to worry about the politics of the management system and, and the underlings who are working for me. I mean, I had an organization at one point in one of my last jobs with a lot of people working for me. And I think I'm a good manager and I enjoyed it and I still like managing, but I thought, you know what, I need to now be a little more free and flexible. And so with that, I threw my hands up in the air, if you remember correctly, because we, you and I did know each other in those days. And I said, well, I'm going to go to real estate school and I'm going to become a real estate agent. Now, my agent, who I used to work with all the time, buying and selling, thought I was out of my mind. You make so much money. You have a great, I, I think my last title was general manager of sales in New York and Washington, D.C. and Boston. So, I mean, it was a big job. And she's like, you're crazy. Don't do this. I'm in the business and I'm telling you how nuts it is. Don't do it. Well, I did it. And she didn't talk to me for three months <laughs> because I think she thought now he's going to take his own business to himself and, you know, leave me in the dust, which of course happened. But I only sold one apartment after that anyway for myself. So I became a real estate agent. And, and so that's where I guess the button starts and push the start button 18 years ago. And I haven't looked back since. I can't, after all these years, even fathom what else I would possibly do. Because it's, first of all, when you get older, you don't have very many other options. But I've grown to like the flexibility. I mean, here I'm, I'm sitting at my desk in, in my little office in my home and talking to you and, and, and loving every minute of it. At 11 something in the, in the morning, I would need to be somewhere nine to five punching a clock and sitting at my desk and God only knows why. So the flexibility is there. Now I have a full afternoon of things to do outside of the house today. So, but I could make my own schedule. And I think that's what I've really 
grown to love the most about the business. Yeah. I, I We could go off on a whole conversation here about how you've remarketed yourself several times, as you know, have I, but I want to stick to real estate. So if I remember correctly, you got into real estate now right after 9-11 and you lived through that and you've lived through the Great Recession and now this. So obviously this is a different crisis. Yeah. You know, that's very smart of you to bring that up because you do remember, well, yes, I did. I got into it actually 9-11 and I was right in the throes of it all running for my life covered from head to toe in, in soot and ash and people jumping in the in the East River. I mean, it was just beyond anything I had ever seen in my life or could imagine in a war anywhere in the world. We were in war that day. And I unfortunately was a participant in running for my life, literally, not an exaggeration. But I have to tell you something, Joanne, you know, I went home after that. I was still in corporate. It was my last job in corporate, as I said. And I think that episode, that period of a week of uncertainty, we were all home, we couldn't leave the house, whatever, made me really kind of throw me back and think about, all right, so what is going to be the rest of your life? Because who knows when another bomb will drop? Back in the beginning, we had no idea how many bombs were going to come in the future, where they were coming to hit, whatever. That was the impetus, I think, that threw me over the line and said, okay, line in the sand. Did this, did it well, time to move on. So yeah. And then, you know, a whole bunch of rebranding to get yourself into something new, but it was real interesting. It was challenging and I loved every minute of it. But in terms of the crises of 9-11 and, and, and the Great Recession, because many of us are old enough to have lived through both and some of us aren't, how would you say that this crisis, especially in terms of the real estate market, is different or is it really different? Well, you know, listen, um, those two crises were really significant. And and I just read something in the Wall Street Journal the other day that said New York City got pounded worse than 9-11 and the 2008 meltdown combined. And they're talking about this coronavirus pandemic. And I think the reason why... Both of those episodes, 9-11 and the financial crisis, I came into the business after 9-11, so I, I don't really have a, about a year after, so I don't really have a, an understanding of how it really affected the market other than what I've read. But I was involved in the 2008, 9, and 10 slowdown because of the banking meltdown. I think, and those were significant times and significant downplays and downtimes for the real estate industry. But they're saying, and I'm living the fact that this crisis today is worse than those two combined. And we are living it every day, every minute of the day. And we have been now since March. And then on top of it all, you get a summer protest violence coupled with our New York City mayor placing homeless and sex offenders, taking them out of the subways, taking them out of prisons and putting them into all of these hotels on the West Side, for example, and also some on the downtown neighborhoods and East Side. And it's just created a marketplace in addition to the fact that the virus is still rampant, you know, we have not arrested this virus completely. So all of that together has made this a much more significant situation in the real estate market and in life in general in New York City and around the world. So we're still trying to dig out of that and we're still trying to figure out what the hell happened. So it's um, such a crazy, crazy time. So are, is, the, is it true, though, what the, the press is having such a, t a field day with all of this in terms, especially in terms of New York, that their New Yorkers are leaving in droves, the moving companies can't keep up. I heard early on that people were not listing their homes, that they were holding off to the market rebounds. But what's the real story? I, I'm not, you know, it's, it's a confusing situation. All right, let's look at some of the facts. So Manhattan home sales, they've cratered 56% year over year between the period of March of this year and today, August. 56% decrease in sales in, in Manhattan. 
Properties at $4 million or above, which we sort of consider luxury properties, they've dropped 67%. So luxury homes that sold in the second quarter of this past year had approximately an 11% drop in purchase price or in some kind of discount or concession. 11% off of sale price. So, you know, new listings are now up more than ever. And as you said, because the press is saying, well, you know, people are leaving in droves. Is that a fact? I'm here to tell you as a real estate professional in New York City, it is absolutely a fact. I have 13 listings right now, sales listings, half of which are because of my sellers leaving New York City. Why are they leaving New York City? Well, they're leaving because they don't want to put their kids in school in New York City. They're leaving because companies, most companies have announced that they are not opening offices buildings in New York City, office space, until at least mid-next year, 21. They're giving everybody the okay to work from home. So they're like, you know what? I'm in my home in the Hamptons. I'm in my home in the Catskills. I'm in my weekend house in Connecticut. I'm up in Westchester County or in the New Jersey suburbs. Why do I need to come back to New York? Oh, and by the way, the restaurants are still closed with the exception of outdoor dining. And that's limited because a lot of restaurants don't have the capacity or the capability, rather, better said, to open up outside. And then you've got the danger of sitting on the street, literally, not the sidewalk, but the street. And last night, I'm reading something in the news where on the Upper East Side, a car went careening through one of these street tents that they put up temporarily. No one was killed, but there were several people who were injured. So people are leaving New York City. It's a fact. Now, one would say, is it a permanent move? My optimistic self says, no, it's not. You know, we had people leaving after 9-11. We had people leaving after the meltdown of uh, 2008. Some people came back, but some people stayed. So we are yet to see how long it's going to take for people to come back. But I have to tell you something in all of my infinite wisdom. I don't really see people returning those who have left until there is a vaccine and a proven vaccine. Sadly, the youth are experiencing the same issues as people who have been here for years. Either they were on their way into the city to live and start their careers, and now they can't, or they got so spooked because they're very young, and they're like, you know what, maybe I'll go to New York in five years, but right now, not the place to be. So you do believe, even though we're in a, a tough situation right now, you, you, you don't believe, as James Altucher wrote, that pretty depressing article which, in which Jerry Seinfeld referred to him as a putz, that New York is dead forever. Are you more on the Seinfeld that the city's coming back eventually? I absolutely am on the side of Seinfeld, and I do not ever believe, and for a whole host of reasons, we could do a whole (laughs) show on that. There is no way New York is dead forever. You know, one of the things I liked about Seinfeld, you know, he talked about the energy, the attitude, the personality that you can't feel through a remote connection when you're Zooming a a phone call or you're talking to a friend. You know, you and I during the, the lockdown had a couple of martini Zoom calls. I mean, you can't really feel that energy like you can when you're in the city of New York. He goes on to say things like, these are the reasons why we moved to New York City. These are the reasons why we live and breathe, you know, that energy and that attitude of New York City. Now, listen, it's not for everybody. You know, people in the Midwest, for example, or the, the West states have no interest in New York. We're New Yorkers. And I think because of that, we will always ensure and, by the way, do whatever we can as New Yorkers to make this city come back, and it will come back. And I have to tell you something, you know, those gloom and doom people out there, whether it's the press or just people on social media, oh, New York City is gone forever. Really? Well, maybe you need to be gone forever. (laughs) So, So a lot of stuff is changing. I've heard people 
at the same time that this is going on and companies are saying we're not necessarily going to have as much office space, we're not going to, you don't have to come back into the office for a while. You've got Amazon and I believe it was Facebook who both just agreed to new office space. So you've got this this two ends of things. But what happens if we, we have a lot of this office space that's extra there, that people, you know, offices say, you know what, I don't need that much space in New York. We can have space, but we don't need that much space. So we're going to have other offices someplace else or let our people work from home and kind of do what the universities are doing, this hybrid thing where you come in a couple, you know, you, you rotate who's coming in what day. I've heard stories with people coming up with ideas like, well, that could help bring down the cost of living in New York because you could convert some of those empty office buildings into condos. Do you think that's a real thing or is that just... You know, that's a very good question. And I think the answer to that is we don't know right now. You know, it's interesting how Google has announced, I don't know, a month or two ago that they are making everybody stay home until sometime next year, remotely telecommuting and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Yet Facebook and Amazon are actively looking for space here in the city. And I think that's a testament to what you and I just talked about. Amazon, and not to say that Google isn't, but Amazon and Facebook believe in New York City. And they know that we're in a temporary pause and probably until next year sometime, but they're so bought into New York City. And again, as Seinfeld said, the energy and the personality and the attitude and the people who live here and want this town to turn around, whenever that is, that they're going ahead with their plans to open up these new spaces. And I applaud them because that is the right thing to do. And they will bring in so many people to work for them, whether they transfer in from other Amazon or Facebook locations, or if they're just new people, hopefully more new people here in New York, jumpstart our economy here in New York. But what happens with the with the buildings that will become vacant or almost vacant? Will they all convert to, I mean, a couple of buildings may convert. I mean, we saw that, you know, you and I have been around this town long enough to see what went on in the financial district, mm -hmm. where when a lot of those companies, again, after the meltdown of 2008 and nine. A lot of those buildings that we all worked in, and including buildings I worked in on Wall Street, they all became high-rise condominiums. They converted them all into residential situations. I don't know that we can do that much more. There will be some, but I don't think it's going to be as significant as it was in 2010 and 11, again, following that meltdown of 8 and 9. But you will see a few. I don't do any commercial, but I do read, read a lot about it because of my residential experience. And I have friends on the commercial side. They're all panicked right now. And aside from that, the mom and pop situation, that's all on the commercial side. That's right now in a complete state of flux. Would you think, is, is it, if you had the extra cash laying around then, is it a good time to buy now, do you think? Or is it, are we still not bottomed out? Well, that's another good question. I mean, there are 50% of the people think that we have not bottomed out yet. 50% of the people think, you know what, we've been back and forth, up and down markets forever. Interest rates are historically low. But even if you're not financing and you've got a couple of dollars that you want to plug into a, an apartment, uh, is it the right time? Yeah, I maintain that it is still, listen, we have been in a buyer's market pre-COVID. And I think we are still in a very strong buyer's market. It's just that We've got to get people to realize that it's okay to buy at the moment. There are so many listings, as I said before, that are, are out there, but people are just not buying. It's a great time to buy for a whole host of reasons. And look, even if prices fall a bit more over the course of the next few months, this is a town where nothing ever crashes. So that's why I kind of get offended when I read these articles with New York is dying, New York is crashing, it's never going to be the same again. 
That has never been our history. And we are not going to let a virus, as significant as it is, and I'm not downplaying the significant or the strength of this COVID-19 situation, but we've never let anything, anything get in the way of progress in our town, but more importantly, in the healing of whatever catastrophe we've gone through. So yeah, if prices go down a little bit and you just bought, okay, so in five years, those prices are going to be zooming and booming again. So again, if you're not buying for the short term and you're buying for the long term, yes, 100% it makes sense to purchase because the prices have been down, like I said, 11% and in some cases more. No, I, I agree with you about the, especially about the New York coming back, because if you really understand New York, and again, I was born and raised here. I left for a while, but I've lived here for most of my adult life. The definition of New York is reinvention. That's one of the things that has always made it such an exciting city is that there is always something new. We're always looking to do things in, in a slightly different way. And I do believe that along with you, that whether it's a, a full treatment or whether it's a vaccine, once we know how we can control this and you can open the theaters again and all of that stuff that we love about New York, the, the, the entertainment aspect of it, you'll start to get feel that energy again and that will kind of infuse everything. At least that's my opinion. But You're, you're, you're right. And, and, and keying on the word reinvention, a word you know perfectly uh, chosen because we as New Yorkers, you said this, I think, earlier in our talk here, we as New Yorkers, most people come here, we're transplanted from someplace else. And we reinvent ourselves when we come here to adapt to what this culture is all about, right? And so as we go through life in the big city, we continue. You and I have reinvented ourselves multiple times and successfully because it's the way we do things. But, you know, one other thing, too, about the market, you have to understand New York is one of, if not the most, uh, important real estate market in the whole country. In fact, I'm going to take it to the world. And troubles here inevitably, if we stayed in a, in a trouble situation, it inevitably translates to bad economics and business woes for the nation. So if we can't get our act together here, I mean, it's sort of like the world looks to us to kind of get our act together. And for that reason, including many other reasons, we have to do this. And our history shows that we do. And every time we do, we come back stronger. You know, it's it's funny that you said that because when I worked uh, at CBS Radio, the the line was was that when New York sneezes, the rest of the country gets a cold, and um, it's kind of never left me. So I want to ask you one more question about real estate before I have some other questions for you. So um, a lot of people, myself included, have believed that the pandemic has really catapulted digital transformation. It's just taken us ten years from where we would have been if this had not happened. And there's a lot of aspects of real estate that have already adapted to digital early on. Real estate list, uh, listings online, booking appointments, being able to see something virtually from your computer. But seeing the listing in person has always seemed a necessary part of buying or renting because it's your home. You want to see it. You want to feel it. How, how are you doing that now or are you? Well, you know, we were locked down until I think June 22nd. So we were not allowed to show. One of the reasons that the market took such a hit is because out of sight, out of mind. And everybody was so wrapped up in their pandemic lockdown and, and going through their own adjustments, et cetera. And kind of real estate fell by the wayside. What's not in front of you sometimes doesn't become important any longer. Once we opened up in June, June 22nd, I think, phase two, we were allowed to show again in person with all kinds of COVID restrictions, which is perfectly acceptable. But, you know, 
in all of my Zoom office meetings and, and real estate meetings, everybody was so optimistic. Oh, we're going to come racing back. We're going to need roller skates. You know, people have been sitting on the sidelines for exactly three months, and they're not going to know what to do with themselves to, to buy, 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 buy. It's going to be unbelievable. And I kept saying, no, 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 that's not going to happen, people. I understand you want to be optimistic and positive and all that happy horseshit. <laughs> However, ain't going to happen. Now, here we are almost two months later, and it still hasn't happened. Many reasons for that, but we will get there. So we were showing digitally when, but here's the thing. In my book of business, I didn't have any virtual walkthroughs or videos done on any of my listings, so I couldn't do that. Some people had it done, so they did, but most of us did not. Who prepared for this? I mean, this hit us like a ton of bricks. I was sitting on my sofa one Sunday afternoon after showing a buyer and his wife all day long. I fixed myself a martini. And I'm sitting there sipping the martini and all of a sudden I put the news on and I heard Governor Cuomo is now locking down the city effective Monday. And I thought, uh, that's tomorrow. And I thought, well, how do you do this? Now, yeah, we've advanced digital technology and all of these Zoom meetings and whatever way past where we were. And it's interesting to watch how we've all had to jump on board and learn quickly. But now that we're back showing, we're doing still a lot of that digital stuff, not as much, but a lot of it, but it's just the buyers aren't really right there yet. So, okay. Thank you so much. So informative. So let's go back to a, a little bit of still about real estate, but a little bit away from it. So you're essentially in business for yourself as a real estate agent. Yeah. How do you market yourself? Well, you know, we're independent contractors. So of course we only get paid when we do something <laughs> and do something is selling an apartment or renting an apartment. I think the world of social media, you know, when I first started 18 years ago, social media wasn't even a word that existed. Mm -hmm. So we marketed ourselves really traditionally through our own friend network, this former business network, where I used to work, people I used to know, family. You know, I remember my manager when I first became an agent saying, and make sure you send a postcard to your dentist and your doctor and your eye doctor. And I'm like, what? I didn't grasp what he was meaning at the time, but he was right. These are people now that are in your world that could potentially become clients or friends of theirs. You know, now, as we've gone through the decade, the, the, the two decades that I'm in this business, you know, we've had New York Times ads and we've had magazine profile ads now with social media, you know, websites, by the way, when I first became a real estate agent, company websites were just beginning to be born. So there weren't a lot of online floor plans and pictures or agents' pictures. Now everything in this business is so visual. I mean, if my face, I don't even know where my face is anymore. It's around the world. <laughs> that could be good and bad. That's a lot of how we, we market ourselves. But also these days with social media, LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram stories on the real estate side, Instagram stories and Facebook stories seem to be the way to go because you can do a lot of video stuff there. And people love video more than they love still pictures. They always have. But now with this new technology, and I say new, it's been around for a while, but this newer technology, mm -hmm. people are watching more closely. For example, yesterday, I have a three-bedroom apartment on the uh, east side in Gramercy Park. I think the listing price is $2 million I spent half the afternoon there with a, with a videographer taking video, taking walkthrough 3D kind of pictures. And what that does is I put that now on my website at Halstead. But I also send it out to YouTube and I send it out to LinkedIn and I send it out to, you know, Facebook and Instagram, any place where I can potentially find a viewer. And sometimes it turns into something, sometimes it doesn't. But that's okay. We have to be mindful of marketing ourselves. And that's also not to say that we don't go back to the original traditional way of 
friend network and family network and form a business contacts. I mean, we, I still email people like I used to 18 years ago. Anytime there's a new listing, I blast it out in a knee blast. And for, you're, you're a marketing genius from a marketing perspective. It's gotten so much better than it was 18 years ago. I mean, the graphics and, and the design people today, it's incredible what we have access to. So all of these things, you know, and again, I think unlike any other industry, we're way ahead these days, way ahead. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I've been a big believer before the pandemic that brick and mortar situations and not and you can kind of call uh, looking at a home brick and mortar situation is not never going to go away completely that we're in some place in between. You know, we need the digital, we need that we need the in-person and that whole idea of an omni-channel experience, so to speak. But and I, I actually believe that because of the pandemic, it's reinforcing how much we need and crave to be in the presence of other human beings. Whereas this Zoom stuff can work and it works in a pinch, it would be so much nicer to just be sitting in a room with somebody. It's made everyone more aware of just how important that really is to us as human beings. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, going back to what we chatted about a little bit ago, I mean, yeah, human interaction is everything. And I think during that three month quarantine period, I mean, we all sort of sat back and self-examined and, and some of us had issues with a whole bunch of things that we were never faced with before. And it's important for people to understand, not only in the real estate industry, you know, or the marketing industry, we as people, we as humans, went through a transition on our own as we lived through quarantine. Some of us still going through it because our businesses haven't bounced back to where we're used to being kept busy. We're used to being out there, as you say, with that human interaction. I mean, I was, I'm back in the city now after quarantine about six, maybe seven weeks. I've had one cocktail on the sidewalk with a friend in all of this time because the weather has been so freaking hot. I'm really not interested in sitting out and sweating over a martini or whatever, a glass of wine. And you can't go inside. Bars are closed. Restaurants are closed. And so I think to myself all the time, and I'm not working as much, so I'm really not out of the house as much as I'm used to. So I say to myself, I could still be in quarantine. And I know many, many other people are feeling the same or and experiencing the same as I am. And I got to tell you something, and I know you know me, but I'm very big on human interaction. I feed off of people. That's one of the reasons I love to teach real estate in front of a classroom. I mean, just this weekend, I taught two classes over Zoom. And, and I know you're doing the same thing from time to time. And that's fine because we get our teaching whatever out of us. But there's nothing like being in a classroom and looking at the students and interacting with the students and chatting with them. I feed off of human interaction. And one of the things I'm struggling with right now is the fact that I can't do that. No, I agree 100%. And I've been teaching online since March. Um, I'm going, one of my classes in the fall is going to be one of these hybrid situations, but I have to teach with a mask on and stay in my box. And I'm not really sure yeah. it's going to feed that need that I have because I do love being in the classroom. And I like, I like, I get much more energy, although I have purchased a portable standing desk now. So um, I'm thinking that's going to help things in the fall for my for my online classes. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned the teaching too. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but this whole time has been such a time of great reflection. So aside from business, what's changing for you right now? How did you how did you get through this outside of pouring yourself a big old martini? Well, I don't know that I'm through it yet. And that, and that that's what I was trying to, you know, mention before with the human interaction and contact, whatever. And I'm excited because I, I've got a couple of appointments this afternoon starting at two o'clock. 
So I've got a few more hours here in the house to putz around. But, you know, I don't know that I've processed through it all yet because I feel like I'm still going through where we began back in March. And I'm the type of person, if I can't see clearly ahead of me and understand, I'm a very big, I need to understand something before I can embrace it. Or you just confuse me and I don't want to know and go away and leave me alone. I don't know yet what or how I feel. And that it's kind of perplexing to me because, I mean, I'm fine. I think my mind is okay. You have your bouts of being depressed. You have your bouts of being sad because you want to be doing so much more. And the universe is stopping you from doing that. So I don't know. Again, I remain very hopeful and very optimistic in thinking that this too shall change because it, it will and it must and it always has. But I guess maybe to, to coin a phrase, I'm sort of like being impatient with, okay, like a six-year-old. When is dinner? When, am I, when is my ice cream? When is my lollipop? You know, when? Don't tell me someday. I want to know now. It's like it being in the backseat of the car when you were a kid. Are we home yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? With your knees up against the thing and your mom saying, stop pushing on the seat. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think everyone's going through that. I, I certainly am going through that. I have good days and I have bad days because there is that uncertainty, you know, different from, and again, you and I both lived through 9-11. 9-11 was a day. And from that day, the rebuilding started. But this is, we're still in that place and we're not out of it yet. We're certainly not out of it yet. And I worry that we're going to sink a little further into it before we get completely out of it. Well, because we have a lot of things coming up this year. There's a presidential election, which always kind of wreaks havoc in the real estate industry. And then snap a pandemic on top of that, uncertainty about a whole bunch of things. Yeah. You know, a bottle of Tito's may not be enough in a week, you know? Oh gosh, Vince, you cracked me up. So what, let's see, let's see. I have one more question. Here we go. You managed through big crises in the world before. We talked about 9-11 several times. I know I keep bringing that up, but I do think that was a crisis, at least from my perspective. And the greater recession, what advice would you have to those listening on how you get through this successfully? Because they are temporary situations. Everything does have its moment where you're out of it. But what advice would you give outside of buying stock in Tito's? Yeah, (laughs) that does help. Look, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we all need to be who we are. And if we have been successful through the years in whatever endeavor we we've gotten involved in work-wise personal-wise because a lot of people are suffering also on a personal side you know in relationships and whatever else i mean maybe too much closeness is too much i don't know from what i hear from other people i'm single so you know it's just me and the four walls but i think if you just stay true to yourself and you continue to work hard and push hard and, and persevere and focus through this pandemic and through these very very trying times and not let it get to you personally as the person that you really are, the person that people love about you, the person that people want to be with. You know, you're always going to be that same person. And so if you work today and continue your positive thoughts on what tomorrow will be, sometimes I get very excited and I sit back and I think, oh my God, I don't really know yet, as I said before, what tomorrow is going to be. But I'm excited about it because I know it's going to be better than today. And I know it's going to be maybe even more exciting going forward because we've all been in this quagmire of God knows what, but we're strong. You know, as our New York governor says, we're tough, we're strong, we're New York love. And that's how I've always felt about me. And when I hear that being said from other people, I'm like, yeah, you know what, damn it, just you can't forget the present, but you can aspire to the future. And sometimes I feel like I'm 18 years old again, going to college and 19 years old again, not knowing what I really wanted to do, as I said earlier, and then figuring it out. We're going to figure this out, Joanne. 
We're going to figure this out. And I think we're going to be much better people for it. No, I, I, I could not agree with you more. I, I always, t- I sp- specifically tell that to my students that they will be better people from having gone through such a crisis of such magnitude. So my friend, where can they find people find you online? Certainly if they're interested in buying a house in, in, in New York or just to follow your humor online, where can they find you? My real estate website is www.halstead.com. And we've also just merged with Brown Harris Stevens. So in another month or so, you'll be able to find me on the Brown Harris Stevens website. We are two companies that were owned by a parent company through this pandemic. We've merged. Very exciting news for all of us at Halstead. Or you can follow me on social media just by typing in my name, Vince Rocco, and you know whatever pops up, pops up. Have a blast. Thank you. Any any courses coming up that you're teaching in case there's any real estate wannabes that want to take one of them? I'm actually on Sunday coming up. I'm teaching one of my favorite courses, social media marketing for real estate on Sunday at New York Real Estate Institute online. Delightful. Delightful. Yeah. So, you know, I do a whole bunch of things for NYREI. I love it. And I hope to continue it. You know, there are never enough hours in the day, but you figure it out. More importantly, and this is how I would end, you just do what you love to do and surround yourself with the people who you love and who love you back, what possibly could be worse? And we can leave this on a high note. So thank you again for being my very, very, very first guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. And I love you dearly. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited about, listen, marketing mindfulness and martinis. Oh my God. Genius. Thanks, Joanne. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. This show would not be possible without my incredible creative and production team, Nadi, Cherry, Anthony, and Wah. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us. And hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note, info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.